0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Two-Spot Monkeys Live. Here we are, episode number 24. Nice even number. Great, Jim, it's great to see you. How are you today?
1: Good to see you as well, Tom. I am good. Uh, Trying to remember, last week, did I have the black or the dark backdrop behind me? I think I might have, um, for our whopping three or four people who watch this on YouTube, um, took that down because yesterday, uh, I was told on a Zoom meeting I had a black shirt on and I had this, it's a navy blue really backdrop. I was trying to use it for a green screen here with the program um, that we use to record this. I also use for my live trivia nights uh, that I host on my Facebook page, Ask a Nebraskan Trivia on Facebook, cheap plug. Um, but uh, it didn't work out for a green screen. But I was told yesterday while I was wearing my black shirt that I had a floating head was all I looked like I was on the screen. So uh, drop the backdrop and and back to just the painted wall now for, for now. But uh, other than that, I guess you wanted to know about if I was a floating head at any point this week. I was.
0: Well, I mean, a floating head, or are we talking heads?
1: Well, you know, we're a little bit of that too. <laughs> so, oh, uh, well, it is good to be back and uh, talking wrestling. And hey, there's some stuff to talk about this week. This was, you know, there's some weeks Tom and I, uh, when we do our little kind of pre show conversation. Um, obviously, we catch up on our personal lives, but we also, uh, you know, talk about, make sure we know what we're going to talk about in the show. Um, some of you may be shocked to learn we actually have a plan when we, when we start doing this, but uh, we do. And uh, some weeks it's a little bit like, okay, we know we're going to hit these two or three things because we've got a head-to-head or a three big things or something. And then it's like, what else do you want to put in there? Um, this was not one of those weeks. Uh, in fact, we removed a thing or two that will kick off to the week, you know, weeks to come Um, because they're not so paramount but uh, for those of you who have not seen AEW yet uh, this week for winter is coming uh, you might want to stop listening now if you don't want to be spoiled but let's be honest if you haven't seen it and you're listening to a podcast that's a poor choice so that's on you Um, but uh, we're going to talk a little AEW to start and uh, let's start with there obviously are two major stories I think to come out of winter is coming um, along with some other you know side stories going on as well but uh the the biggest debut that happened yeah i'll call it the biggest debut um maybe since john moxley probably in AEW um was sting showing up in AEW um i got to admit i had to laugh at how much they were pushing you know for the first time in 18 years on TNT i just don't think people care about what channel something is on um and it's
0: longer than 18 years
1: It'd be 19 years.
0: Right. Like I don't under, I I was having a hard time. I mean, as as someone who wants to like get numbers right, and I'm not perfect when they were doing that, I was like doing the math in my head going 2001 to 2020 is greater (laughs) than 18 years.
1: (laughs) Right. Yes, It, it, it is. It truly is. Um I guess they were saying more than 18. Did they say more than? I don't remember. I'd have to go back. and watch.
0: I think it was the first time in 18 years.
1: First time in 18 years, wow. which it's the first time in, yeah, I more than that. So yeah, it's so, almost
0: 19 and a half or it is 19
1: right. and a half. Right. I mean, really, that was March, the WCW shut down in 2001. We're, we're coming up on, you know, 20 years here in the not too distant future. I would
0: have preferred they said nearly 20 years. It's been nearly 20 years since the Stinger has been on TNT.
1: Right. Right. Absolutely. That would have made a lot more sense. But uh, so Sting is in AEW. And uh, from what uh, they sent out right away or or, or shortly thereafter, uh, it's a multi-year contract. Um, so it's not a one-off thing. Sting's going to be in AEW uh, for the foreseeable future in some capacity. Uh, Tom, what was your, I I, I told Tom before we started recording this, unfortunately got spoiled for me before I saw it, um, which is a little bit of a bummer. Um, But Tom, what was your response or your reaction when you saw Sting?
0: Yeah, so first and foremost, Sting has never been a guy who I've been a huge fan of. I've enjoyed him, but going back to 96, 97, the whole Crow thing, I wasn't, I was always pro WWF. So, like, I wasn't ever a WCW guy. They never never won the war and pulled me over. I was always first and foremost WWF. So, I enjoy Sting. I think he's a legend without question. Obviously, he's in the Hall of Fame in the WWE. Um, So, totally cool and exciting. Uh, The placement and the mystique, that has me intrigued. I look forward to hearing them talk next week and tell us why he's here and what his motivations are um where did team taz disappear to is the wondering that i have because they were about to take out cody and lay the leather to him and the lights go out and winter came and sting appeared and team taz was nowhere to be found so um which again i i wouldn't see them as a natural first adversary perhaps but maybe so but they just no explanation there. And again, they, they should fade into the background when you have someone of the magnitude of Sting show up. Uh, but it was interesting how we went to all four of the baby faces. And of course, the history with with Arn Anderson and then, of course, Cody and Sting don't have a direct history, but the link is Dusty Rhodes. Uh, so that was interesting. Um, yeah, that's that's how it really landed with me. It was it was super cool, and I and I loved. The snow that was in the air and how you could see it condensating on the camera lens.
1: I thought it was glacier. I, I was sure it was glacier.
0: <laughs> yeah. So that that's how that's how it landed with me. So uh, again, you said it was spoiled, but then I you you've gone back and you've seen it play out. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So how did how did it land with you?
1: Yeah. So so spoiled that sting arrived. Um, I didn't necessarily. Well, I think the picture I saw. I was pretty sure I saw Cody in it, so I knew it was probably around that. Um, so the minute things went dark, I went, oh, yeah, okay, here it is. Um, so, here, so my first thought was, good Lord, everybody works with Cody when they come in. <laughs> like, we're going to do Shaq and Cody, although maybe not, I don't know, that seems to have kind of faded, and Jade had that one backstage thing where they jumped. Red Velvet? Red Velvet, yeah. and And then... Now we haven't seen her. Um, and again, from what I've said on this show before, uh, they can let that go. That's okay with me. We can, we can pretend that never happened. I'm okay with that. Um, then sting comes in, he's with Cody. Um, at least he didn't drop Cody. Cause for a while there at the beginning of AEW, early on in AEW, it was kind of uh, Cody to me was very much the sting of AEW at that point in that everybody who was friends with Cody turned on him. Um, and Sting kind of had that, um, especially in his Surfer Sting days, uh, before the Crow character. Uh, you know, if you tagged with Sting, you probably beat him up at some point. Um, so, um, Cody kind of had that feel for me for a while. Uh, I, I liked—I've liked Sting. I loved him in his Surfer Sting days, um, back when he was the hottest thing going. Clash of the Champions won. Ric Flair, you know, all of that. Um, the Crow character, I liked and I'm going to talk out both sides of my mouth here, um, but I I like long-term storytelling. That thing took a year, and holy smokes. And then, unfortunately, I think I would have been okay with the year, but unfortunately, the payoff sucked <laughs> um, because of the whole botch count and Bret Hart involvement, you know, all of that. They just they went way too gaga with that um, in the end. So it, it kind of, I don't want to say it, ruined Sting for me or spoiled Sting for me, um, but that didn't help. I mean, they had this year-long build. It should have been this epic battle, and, you know, unfortunately it got screwed up. Uh, that being said, I, I, I do think it's a little bit interesting that many – I'm, I'm, I'm going to make generalizations here – many AEW fans harp on WWE for bringing in too many old guys. You know, Brock, Triple H, Stone Cold. All that. I'm just saying, um, you know. And now it's it's Sting, you know. And he's here. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see. Uh, from what I've read, uh, he's not going to be doing a lot of bumping, so he's not going to be a full time in ring worker. Probably, maybe not even working any matches. You have to think he's going to drop somebody with a a, a Sting Death Drop, Scorpion Death Drop. There we go. Um, I knew as I was saying that that wasn't right. Um, you know, he's probably going to hit somebody with that bat at some point. Um, so I think it'll be interesting. I I hope they don't go the, you know, he's the GM or the enforcer route or anything. AEW has steered away from that. And I've I've really liked that they've steered away from that. WWE even has steered away from that in the last number of years. You know, Adam Pierce is kind of the representative of management, but he's not the GM. He's not the one in charge. And that's, he's made that very clear. Um, and anytime you call your world champion Mac and fart, you shouldn't be in charge of anything. Um, but uh, for Sting, I, I'm interested to see where it goes. I, I'm in the same boat as you. I'm interested to hear him talk next week um, to see what direction they give his character. Um, you know, it almost seems he's going to have to be some sort of an enforcer or, you know, the moral compass of AEW or something along those lines. Because if he's not going to be working in the ring full time, which, you know, from all signs... That we've seen in the past, um, that's not in the cards for him because of his neck injury. Um, what, what's he going to do? Uh, you know, I don't think he's—is he going to be a manager? That character doesn't work as a manager for me. I did like that they had him kind of look at both sides of Darby Allen's face. I think there are some really interesting stories you could tell with Darby Allen and Sting, um, and and I like if we're using older veteran guys. To help bring up young talent, um, that's why I like the, I like Team Taz. I think Taz is a mouthpiece for guys like Brian Cage, Ricky Starks, who doesn't necessarily need the mouthpiece, and Powerhouse Hobbs. Terrible name change, by the way, um, right out of WWE. Uh, but um, you know, I think that really works well. I like Jake um, Roberts with Lance Archer. I like I I'm okay with Arn. You know, with the Nightmare family, I think everybody thought there was going to be a turn there really early on, and it never has happened so far. So if Sting somehow is connected with Darby Allen in some way, not as a manager, but in some way, I think that could be interesting. Um, so I, I'm definitely willing to see where it goes. Um, I thought it was a cool – the visual, absolutely. The production of it um, was very, very cool. Uh, I was glad that Winter is Coming had some meaning more than just the name of the show. Uh, they pushed it so hard, kind of like um, – we joked last week, I think, about the SummerSlam tagline, you'll never see it coming. You know, when you push the tagline or the name of the show so hard like that, um, it seems like there's got to be something. So I'm glad they went the winter aspect with his entrance so that there was some tie into to that. Um, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see. Um, do I think this moves the needle long-term for AEW? I, I don't necessarily. Uh, they certainly got a really nice boost, though. They had almost a million um, viewers on Wednesday night, which is the first time in a little while that they've been that high. Uh, and I think I saw that they're that 18 to 35 or 18 to 40, whatever it is, demo um, that Chris Jericho always talks about why he's the demo god and blah, blah, blah. Um, I think I saw that they may have even tied raw, which would be huge uh, for them, even for one week. Uh, so. Kudos to AEW for for doing something cool and for keeping it a surprise. Uh, To the best of my knowledge, this did not leak out beforehand. I I never saw anything that said, you know, huge spoiler for AEW tonight. Um, So kudos to them for keeping it a surprise and and leaving us wanting more. I think that's the thing. You and I both said we want to hear what Singh has to say. And that's the mark of a good debut. Of not just going, oh, okay, they're here now. But going, oh, where's that going? So, kudos to AEW on that.
0: Yeah, and to your comment, I I, I just wonder about the business decision here. Again, if Sting's not going to be in the ring, what are you? What value are you paying him to bring to you? You're already winning Wednesdays. You've already been winning Wednesdays. But to your comment, if they are matching raw numbers on a on a different night and outperforming the ratings, that's worth paying someone like Sting but what else and and what's the, what's, I don't know, I don't, maybe, maybe I shouldn't be so inquisitive, but what's the end game? What's the end goal?
1: Yeah. And I think that'll be interesting to watch out. Um, you know, sting action figures tend to sell well. So I would expect about a year from now, we'll get a Jazzware sting. Um, they had to pull the last sting that WWE was going to do because his contract ran up. And, uh now we know that figure is probably not going to see the light of day for quite some time. Um, Unless he someday goes back to WU, which I don't know, everybody seems to go back at some point, right? Um, so, and and I did see that uh, he had the the highest selling shirt in PWT's history, pro wrestling T's history, um, within twenty four hours. So people are excited about it. That's that's for certain. Um, I did think it was interesting that on that shirt he was wearing, it was sting, but I mean, you had AEW very prominently right above sting. I'm like yeah, somebody's branding, somebody is branding, um, which kudos to them. They should um, take advantage. I mean, you bring a guy like sting in to move a needle. So kudos to you, get your logo front and center, make sure everybody knows sting is with AEW. Um, if they're excited about sting. Anything else on uh, stinger? I do agree with you. Team task kind of, Melting into the snow um, was a little bit strange, but, I, you know, a face-off between Taz and Sting, although Sting is about three feet taller than him, um, would be kind of cool. That's that's a matchup, you know, we never saw, um, and I don't know that they've ever had any interaction together.
0: You no, know, and from a, from a pure, like, fantasy booking standpoint, you go, 1997 Dream Match, Taz versus Sting.
1: Oh man, I mean, right. So just the face-off of that, I suppose they both would have been an impact uh, for a stretch there. Well, Taz, but Taz was mo- mainly a commentator at that point. Um, I think Sting was, I think Sting was gone before Aces and Eights. But uh, I'm getting way into Impact history that um, I, I'm. Well, it'll be a nice segue here. I'm in and out on Impact uh, over the years, depending kind of on cable systems and where they've been, where they've aired. And their product, frankly, at times. Uh, which maybe is a good segue into our next topic, which is we have a new AEW world champion, Kenny Omega. You were correct. Uh, I was wrong. Thank God we didn't count that in the head, Dad.
0: Can we can uh, we go back and
1: change that? No. <laughs> <laughs> Stop pouring it on. Um, there's a mercy rule at some point here. Um, but uh, Kenny Omega does win the world title. And uh, with help, though, from Don Callis. And Don Callis then, as they ran out of the arena, said, Turn in, tune in on Tuesday night and we'll explain everything. And when Alex Marvez said Dynamite's on Wednesday, Callis, who of course is a vice president with Impact Wrestling, which they've made clear every time Callis, has appeared. He's been on a couple of times. I know he was on Dark at least once, and he uh, comments, commentated on Kenny Omega's match at Full Gear. Uh, they've, they've mentioned his connection with Impact Wrestling. And he said, "Tune into Impact on Tuesday night, and Kenny and I will explain everything." Okay. Um, so, Impact Wrestling and AEW are working together. I can't say I saw this coming. Tom, what, what, what did you think when you heard that uh, a little while ago? Here,
0: yeah, there's a there's a lot to unpack. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we can well, go piece by piece. We got time. So,
0: right, right, so. That's very interesting, and transitioning from Sting's debut and what does the business impact of that perhaps have or mean or what is the goal, I think you can apply that same question here. AEW clearly is the emerging or the emergent pro wrestling promotion in North America. You don't need to hit your trailer. Or let someone else hitch their trailer to you, in my opinion. However, that's happening here. And um again, what's what's the end game? What's the what's the what's the rub? Um, I think it's more of a rub for impact, without a doubt. And to your comment about Don Callis' appearance, every time I see him, I love him. I loved him when he was a commentator for New Japan World uh and New Japan for wrestling. Uh and we didn't you know in our in our in our delayed summary of our thoughts about full gear that was also one of the bright spots having him be there on commentary was was fun for me was enjoyable for me so seeing him here i didn't think anywhere near uh that this would be the development that we would get uh i don't get access or uh which is our impact airs on my local cable but i'm very intrigued to hear what happens on tuesday read what happens on tuesday I don't really follow impact as a promotion. I'm aware of, of of the talents that are there. And you know, through our fantasy wrestling league, I kind of see the results, but it's not a focal point, you know, when I kind of rank where I prioritize what wrestling I'm seeking out. This probably changes that. Um, so so I'm gonna park there because I wanna hear what you have to say, but I do wanna unpack the title match too. So
1: yeah. I, I also don't get access. I use Hulu live and they don't have access on, on their package, but I will be, uh, trying to find something. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see, is this a long-term, um, or how long-term is this? Uh, I agree with you. AEW doesn't need to hitch themselves. You know, they've worked with the NWA obviously, uh, quite extensively actually in the last number of months and, and really throughout their history. Um, we, we've heard of them, you know, the, they've loaned guys out to indie shows at some level um, when that was still a thing <laughs> before the pandemic. Uh, but they've also been very protective of some of their guys. Uh, you know, I think about John Moxley. He can't work New Japan shows that ha- are held in the United States. Um, Tony Khan has also said John Moxley is not going to be working Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, so obviously there's some some things there.
0: But was that a red herring? We'll, we'll find out. We'll maybe find he out. will be
1: right. Right. Maybe it was he's the world champ, he's not leaving um to go to Wrestle Kingdom. Maybe, maybe. Now, there, the the connection that people have wanted to see since the formation of AEW was AEW and New Japan working together because of the connection of the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and Cody, and you know, on and on and on. Um, that's the connection I think people are wanting. So my fear is that this looks like a consolation prize. Um, Or a participation trophy, almost. Um, You know, Impact doesn't have the luster. Unfortunately, I think Impact gets a little bit of a bad rap, too. Uh, They've had some crap years. Let's not, you know, let's not hide that fact. Impact now, though, from all accounts from those who do watch it more regularly, has had some pretty good matches. Now they do intersperse it with, they had, you know, this saga for a couple of weeks of Who Shot Johnny Bravo? Um, at his and Rosemary's wedding, it was complete Gaga, you know, craziness. They had a wrestler's house thing that was stupidity. I don't think AEW fans have a leg to stand on there though. (laughs) When you watch the steak dinner, when you watch the Vegas skits, when you watch being the elite, obviously the AEW guys like that style of Gaga too. So there probably is some connection there, um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see, is this kind of a one-off or is it a short-term thing? Is, is Callis going to come in, you know, more full-time in AEW? Um, how, to, how does that all work out? Kenny Omega, to me, isn't a guy who needs a manager because I think Kenny's a good talker, um, but as arrogant as he is having a manager might, I could see that working. Um, what does this mean for Kenny and the Bucks? you know or where is that cuz the bucks almost seem to be going kind of more baby-faceish um after a little bit of a more heelish run i don't know that's another story for another day um i i am intrigued by this um it made me want to see impact next week to see where this is going what what does it mean how much of a crossover do we get do we get every week is there somebody from AEW on impact and Impact on AEW impact doesn't isn't shot live. So I'm also curious to see how does that work out? Um, I also haven't seen a lot of impact spoilers because they do kind of close set tapings like everybody else is right now. So maybe Kenny Omega was at the last impact tapings and we just never heard about it. Um, maybe it's a, a promo that shot, you know, not in the ring. Um, I, it'll be interesting to see, you know, does this get the good brothers? Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk. We People thought maybe they were going to go to AEW. Does this, do we get the Good Brothers to come in for a, a match or two? Do we get, um, you know, the North? I, I think I read Ethan Page's contracts coming up at the end of the year. Um, so, and he is quarantining currently because he was um, exposed to someone with COVID at impact. Um, but um, I, I think there's some interesting things that could come from this. And it'll just be interesting to see how it goes. Also, how is Impact treated through this? Um, are they the, the underdog who's never going to win anything? Or are they treated as an equal? And if so, what does that do for Impact moving forward? Yeah. Impact has every reason to do this this crossover. And AEW, I, I'm not sure they do, but they definitely have the power and the control in any sort of negotiation, I would think. Um, about this, but you know, the first step being that their world champion, their brand new world champion, Kenny Omega, is going to appear on Impact on Tuesday. That's pretty big. That's pretty big. I I am intrigued by this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, what were your thoughts on the match? Like, I I I really want to unpack this, and we might spend a lot of time because I think it's an it may be an easy conversation, but just intrigued because, of course. The, the the finish and and the fallout was 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 another layer after a really strong match.
1: Yeah, I agree. It was a very strong match between the two. Doesn't shock me. They've had a good match before. They both are very good in ring workers. For as much as Moxley, you know, they play up the violence and the and the weapons and the, all that kind of stuff. He's he's a good in ring worker too. Um, he's not Daniel Bryan. He's not Kenny Omega um, style wise. I, I don't mean that to sound ranking wise. Style wise. Um, he's got his own style, but I, I think he's very good in the ring. And Kenny Omega, you know, when Kenny Omega's on, Kenny Omega's one of the best in the world. Um, we all know that. We've all been wanting to see it in AEW. And I think we came closer to seeing that uh, on Wednesday night than we have in quite some time in AEW. Uh, I I loved the match. I You know, the finish for me, up until the whole tune into Impact comment I was a little bit like, oh, that's how you finish the match. A mic shot and then the one winged angel, which nobody kicks out of. Okay, fine. Um, spoiler alert, hangman page will be the first person to kick out of the one-winged angel. That's my belief. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that's really a spoiler, but Paul Heyman would tell you it is. Um I, they have been saying that so often that nobody's ever kicked out of it that at some point that's a big storyline point. And I, I'm glad they didn't use it on John Moxley. He doesn't need it. Um, so in that way I'm glad. But so up until the you know, I realized Callis had thrown the mic in, and I'm like, oh, okay, so they're going apparently Don Callis is gonna be with Omega. Um I, I certainly didn't see the tune-in Tuesday night. The minute he said tune in Tuesday night, I went, oh? like <laughs> did he just say Tuesday? Um so that was interesting, Jimmy. Um given that it was used to set that up. I'm a little more okay with the finish than I was as it was happening. If that makes sense.
0: That's interesting. I, I let me try try to articulate this well. I loved the precedent that was set the, the boundary that was established about the personal connection between Kenny Omega and Don Callis that made it so that way, when Omega hurt his eye on that paradigm shift on the floor, him responding in that way didn't feel out of out of touch. When Omega came up and got thrown back in the ring, it really wasn't clear for at least another minute or so of the eye injury. And I'm not even sure what type of eye injury it is. I expected him to come up bleeding or something else. I, and
1: it, I, it, I thought it, he was going to be busted open too. and, and Yeah. yeah.
0: It, I mean, it appeared to me like, I don't know, an eyelid tear maybe. I, I, it, it wasn't discernible enough visually for me to think it was that big of a deal. Like it didn't seem to impact Omega's vision.
1: Like holding his face or his eye or anything. Right,
0: so from an emotional standpoint, invested in the match, I I didn't, the way they were presenting it on TV and the way I was interpreting it, watching it, didn't didn't mesh. But then you had Callus responding in a different way. So it's almost like you had to maybe be there or feel it differently. The emotion wasn't conveying through TV that way. All of that being said, it all appears to be a ruse. So like even though Omega did Omega did appear to have something with his right eye after the match was done, it didn't seem like that was ever putting him in in jeopardy of losing the match. So him going full heel by using the the weapon, the microphone to to mash Mox and to and then and, and again as if he even needed that because once once that once that damage was done and Mox was busted open, he went and nailed you know, what half a dozen V triggers almost. So we put them in the ground for lack of a better term. It just was the vehicle to get there. And again, as you unpack it and see that they, they're in cahoots after the fact, and this is leading somewhere else. Um, it, it just an interesting way that it played out. Um, again, very, very good quality match. I When I thought Omega was winning the belt, when we talked about this a week ago, I didn't see it falling out or happening in this way. Um, I don't know where I'm at on if I thought Omega was still on track to being heel. I think I was, but I wasn't so sure what the dynamic between he and, and paige. page, not that, not that he and page have a dynamic, but which of the two was going to end up going heel.
1: I, I feel like that changed at one point and, and it may have been a conscious, I think it was a conscious change myself. Um, I, I think originally page was going heel. And I, honestly, I think the reaction that page continues to get from whatever crowd they're able to get, um, I, I think they pivoted personally um, and went to Omega going heel, um, which which I'm fine with. Now now they're kind of teasing Paige a little bit because he seems to be hanging out with the Dark Order. Although are the Dark Order really heals without Brody Lee or are they kind of just comical, you know, background? I don't know. That's a, again another story for another day. Um, you know, the one thing I will say is why does a mic bust somebody open like that like that just doesn't a mic shot busting somebody open anytime that's ever been done in wrestling i'm like i don't know a little bit weak sauce um you he, know if you're gonna he, bust somebody he, a better way to do it
0: he pretty clearly him too with the, with like the foam end of it not that right. there's not something hard underneath that but like if, if it's got a foam covering and it still does that damage wow
1: right there's apparently a knife underneath that microphone cover um Yeah, uh, so that was a little bit weak. Um, and I think uh, I will say too, and I meant to say this earlier, the setup for the mic shot to me was a little wonky. Like, why did Don Callis grab a mic? Um, you know, we can now say, oh, it was so that he could throw it to Kenny Omega. But the whole point of him having, like, I was, I was literally watching it, going, why did, why does he have a mic? Why did he he have?
0: Telling the whole crowd, not just Paul Turner, that He's he's hurt. He's hurt. Exactly. And
1: he never actually even brought it up here. It stayed down around his belly. He's hurt. He's hurt. And I'm like, why, why? Um can the ref not hear you? Like, is Paul Turner half deaf? I don't know what's going on here. Um by the way, kudos to Paul Turner. I'm really excited that he got to ref that match. I would have assumed Aubrey Edwards or even Mike Yoda, um, who they bring in from time to time, would have had that world title match. So cool, cool moment for Paul Turner to be able to ref that match. Um, you and I both have uh, met Paul, I think, at, at different times throughout our Ring of Honor days. Um, I've never talked to him real long or anything, said hello to him, but um, you know, from from small athletic buildings and things in Ring of Honor to, um, you know, crowning Kenny Omega as the AEW champion over John Moxley is a pretty cool moment, I would think, for Paul Turner, so good for him.
0: Yeah, I agree. So here's the thing. I'm going to put you on the spot again. Obviously, we don't I'm know what's so going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen with Impact in AEW, and obviously there's a lot between now and Revolution in February. Um, And I wouldn't expect that we don't see Kenny Omega defend until then. But knowing what you know at this moment in time, who do you see as the challenger for Omega? Should he still be champion in February?
1: John Moxley. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I I debated for a moment, Adam Page, but I actually think you build to that at like double or nothing, since that's kind of your big show. Um, You know, their anniversary show and all of that. I think that's probably double or nothing. Um, But yeah, John Moxley, I think, makes sense at at Revolution.
0: And with the history they have, and now with this added element of violence and the the breaking of the Gentleman's Agreement, we haven't talked about that at all, but there was apparently a Gentleman's Agreement between the two.
1: Really only on Omega's side. Moxley told him to stuff it.
0: Right, right. <laughs> and, and and But Omega was the one that broke it then, right? So then so Mox is going to have, A, he, again, I don't know if rematch clauses still exist. I kind of think they do. That's my old school wrestling mentality. Um, I think in the WWE they don't exist, but I digress. Um, so there's a reason that he, A, deserves a, a rematch, and then B, there's emotion behind it now.
1: Right. Well, and whether rematch clauses exist or not, I think he's got a valid argument because of the mic shot, um, because of that, that piece he got, he got screwed. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's where you build, but I, I think he probably has to go through some sort of hoops to get there, um, which is part of then what you can build TV with between now and February to get him there. Um, I don't know what those hoops might be. Maybe, maybe John Moxley has to go and beat the impact world champion, Rich Swan. Um, or so I don't know. I'm just kind of, you know, that'd be interesting. Um or, or Swan comes to AEW and and Moxley has to fight him. I don't know. Um now if I was impact, I'd be very careful about that because you don't want your world champion losing to, you know, a guy who's not even the champion AEW anymore. Um, but again, who has the power in that dynamic? I don't think it's impact. Um uh, and who would have thought Rich Swan is a world champion? That's a whole different topic for another day. Um, good for him. Good for him. Uh, well, anything else on AEW in general? Um, I, I will say, total, totally different story uh, from AEW, or this is an AEW thing. I'm intrigued. There's something about Abaddon that I have liked since day one with her character. Her walkout looks very movie-esque, the way she holds her hands as she crawls. I mean, she's got that zombie thing down. Um, And the fact that Cheetah is playing a little afraid is interesting. I wouldn't have expected that. And I would almost expect that more from a heel champion um, than, a you know, kind of in the Cameron Grimes, Dexter Loomis, which we'll get into here in a little bit, um, vein. So I thought that was interesting. I don't know. Abaddon as AEW women's champion, maybe.
0: Yeah, my my other thing that I'll comment on from Wednesday was just the Dynamite Diamond Battle Royal. And I, I think that was, you know, we talked about I think a little bit last week and maybe previous too, just again having so many guys on the roster. But I think that was a good place to like bring some stories together and and and, 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 and continue some storytelling. Um and from that you can not just the match that's going to be for the ring next week, uh, which is going to be interesting because does MJF go back to back or does Orange Cassidy get it? That's, and that's, that, that's a big wondering. Um, if
1: Orange gets it, does he care? Right. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I think there's some fun story you could tell there with that.
0: Yeah. Um, but I think you can use elements of how that match played out and, and issues that have been simmering it or building and use that to, to, Prop-up is the wrong term, but it's what I'm going to come up with. Prop-up your TV for the next month plus.
1: I, I thought they made Miro look 100 times better than they have any point uh, in his run. Con, Tony Khan said is going to be huge for us. Uh, and my first thought when I heard that was, well, you haven't shown it yet. Um, and I'm not saying you had to bring him in on top of the card. Tony Khan, actually, I did. I did read, you know, said... The way that he was treated in WWE, you can't bring him in at the top of the card right away. You've got to build him a little bit. Um, and that's a fair assessment because one of the things that Impact gets nailed for is you bring in, you know, Rich, Rich Swan. Let's be honest here. Rich Swan was a cruiserweight champion in WWE. When you bring him in and put him on top, some people are like, Rich Swann's your world champion. Um, you know, oh, Eric Young's your world champion like three weeks after he comes in. Now, Eric Young had history and Impact, so you can play off of that, but so I I think there is some some smartness to that. I just think they need to get on with it and start building him a little bit, and I thought the Battle Royal did a really nice job of that. Um, We'll see where it goes. Um, And I agree with you. I'm interested to see the MJF Orange Cassidy match. You know, that's the AEW announcing three or four or five matches for the next week's show towards the end of each episode. I really like, because it makes me go, oh, that's right. I want to see how that how that goes, how that match happens. You know, the bunkhouse match they had a a couple of weeks back with Dustin Rhodes and QT against butcher and the blade. Um, If they just would have thrown that match out there, it'd have been like, Oh, that's interesting. But because they announced it the week before and Dustin Rhodes cut a pretty darn good promo, frankly. Um, And Hey, there's some bunkhouse uh, history in the Rhodes family. Um, it made made it something I wanted to see the next week, and I think AEW does a really nice job of that most weeks.
0: Do you know if they record that like that episode the same night, or is that like, would they be recording that like on a Thursday?
1: I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah, that I'm not sure. Um, okay. Next week is a recorded episode. It looks like they're doing every other week right now. Um, probably not a bad idea. Uh, it was a little cold there. Um, well, okay, I say a little cold, and Jim Ross said it was 40, and I thought. Stick it, big guy. Um, You know, we live in the Midwest. 40 is, we can still find our golf ball. Um, So, uh, but a little cold to be at an outdoor wrestling event. A little different if it's a football game or that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if they record those on Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, Part of me thinks it might be Thursday just because it would get late.
0: That was my thought too. And then when you add on, whenever they're taping dark, like it just right. seems like that could be a very long.
1: Especially since they've been taping 9,000 matches a week for dark. Um, Khan actually said, I, I did read that too. Um, he's starting to think he needs to split dark into two shows. Uh, one of which is more developmental and one of which has, you know, more of the name talent that maybe didn't get on dynamite that week. That might be wise because three hours of dark is, I'd I'd be curious. I should go to YouTube and look at how many views they're getting. They're probably getting a ton because there's some people that'll watch it, but I just, I can't, I can't give three hours to something that I absolutely know will not move any storylines forward other than Peter Avalon versus Brandon Cutler, which, you know, I, I don't care. Um, Now, I say that, and we both watch Raw, so that could be another story for another day. Um,
0: The tides might be changing there,
1: Jim. (laughs) Right, right, because there sometimes isn't a whole lot of storyline movement on Raw either in three hours. All right, well, let's move into NXT. There is Ring of Honor stuff we could talk. We're going to kick that to next week. Uh, There's Retribution stuff we could talk. We're going to kick that to next week. Uh, NXT has TakeOver War Games coming up this weekend, uh, on Sunday night. Uh, I have to keep reminding myself that I'm so, uh, conditioned to takeovers being on Saturdays that when they throw these Sunday ones in, uh, I, I'm liable to turn the TV on on Saturday night, try to figure out why war games isn't on. But, um, hopefully I'll, I'll get this right and remember that it's on Sunday. Uh, Sunday, it's got five matches announced so far, and I would assume nothing else will get added at this point. Um, Five is kind of TakeOver's limit, usually anyways. And when you have two War Games matches that you know are going to take pretty good chunks of time, uh, I I can't see them adding anything else. And and right now, I don't know that they need to either. I think they've got a really nice five-match card that uh, envelops a lot of the storylines that they are pushing right now on NXT. Uh, Well... Oh, I don't have my sheet up. Tom, do you have our uh, records? I know we talked about them last week, but Yes, yeah. So, and enter your victory lap here again and tell everybody how you're kicking my tail.
0: Entering Sunday, the current head-to-head standings are Tom 41 and 10, Jim 36 and 15. So, 5 match difference. We're going to have to have completely opposite picks today uh for you to have a chance to tie. I can't foresee that being the case, and of course, we're doing this live, so I don't know what you've picked. You don't know what you've picked. I don't know what I've picked. <laughs> that was actually a bad, a bad statement, but also funny, because you probably But I mean, probably true. Uh, <laughs> we're doing this in real time. Uh, so yeah, and uh, and because you're, you're working from underneath, you get to have the first pick.
1: Uh, so. Actually, my suggestion was going to be, why don't you make the first pick for each match, and I'll just say the other guy.
0: <laughs> uh, that might not work in your favor. No, so I go
1: down then after that. Uh, yeah, okay. So that, that, that seems fair, and uh, yeah, I don't expect that I'm going to catch you. Um, if I can put a small dent in your lead uh, this weekend, that would be nice, as we do still have uh, Final Battle and TLC uh, to go. Am I forgetting anything else? I think that's it. There's that no is it. Um, so Final Battle, which right now Final Battle is sitting at uh, like eight matches. Um, so so there's some chance there. And who knows, TLC certainly has at least a couple of matches. Well, one that's been officially made and um, some others that seem fairly obvious after the last week or two. Um, so we'll see how many matches TLC has. But uh, yeah, I got some work to do over three weeks, um, over the next or, well, few weeks, three shows. Yeah, that is true. So let's start off with the match that was just added this last Wednesday, Uh, Timothy Thatcher versus Tommaso Ciampa. Uh, First of all, I like, I I didn't like it at first, but now I have started to like the Thatcher's Thatch Can live sessions, whatever you want to call them. Part of what I like, and this is such a small thing, is that Timothy Thatcher doesn't have a mic and that he's just talking into the camera and they've got a boom mic or whatever, picking him up or however they're doing that. It's just different because it's in the ring and we're conditioned to, if you're in the ring and you're cutting a promo, you have a mic. Um, And so it's different and it looks a little different. They light it a little bit different. Um, So kudos to them for that. Uh, You know, they had August gray, the former Anthony green, who was his student for a little while. And now August gray kind of, you know, had his match with, with Thatcher and got sick of him. and now is on 205 and doing the cruiserweight thing uh coincidentally before i i go further into this match i started looking at some of the evolve cards that are on the wwe network and in the descriptions they've changed their names to their wwe names so it says like you know so-and-so battles august gray or so-and-so battles Dabakato. um now i have to think the commentary i have not watched them on the network i think the commentary would still be lenny leonard so Your description says Dabakato, and then he's going to call him Babatunde when he comes out. I don't know. Just stupid. Um, Something I happened to notice flipping through the network the other day and thought, oh, that's interesting. Anyways, that's not either one of these guys. Uh, Russ Taylor, though, who had appeared in the Ring of Honor uh, Pure title tournament, was the student uh, this week, and he has signed with NXT. So he is in WWE now. And perhaps I kind of think before I get into this match, they might do something with him right away because I don't know if you caught it. You probably did, Tom. Uh, you're nodding. So you did when Timothy Thatcher was uh, talking to Mackenzie Mitchell in the back afterwards and, and laid this match out. Uh, Malcolm Bivens, the former Stokely Hathaway, who we have not seen uh, since Indashir went the way of Team Taz. I don't know. They disappeared into the snow somewhere. Well, okay. No. Indashir. Shear one of them decided to take a picture of Keith Lee with the NXT title when it was pre-taped and put it out on Instagram. So that's where Indus Sheer went. They went bye-bye. Um, and they went buried. Um, but poor Malcolm Bivens hasn't had anything to do since then. Um, but he walked in the back, you know, very much in the background. You see him walk up and hand Russ Taylor uh, his card, which I thought was interesting and made me think, oh, they might do something with Russ kind of quickly here. Uh, which is interesting when Russ Taylor is in a class of um, recruits that also includes Des and Wentz, the Radicals, and Alex Zane, um, who I, I would think those three would end up on TV before Russ Taylor, but maybe not. Um, well, definitely not. Russ Taylor made TV. so
0: And b- side note, completely out of the NXT scope, but with the Radicals signing... I think that means that the PWG tag titles are vacated. And then granted, I don't think PWG has happened in 2020. And with things that the pandemic and response in California, who knows when PWG returns. But if nothing else, the PWG fan in me hopes that the first show back would be the DDT4 tournament to re, to crown new tag champs. If indeed, uh, I'm pretty sure the Radicals are the champs or were the champs. But it is what it is.
1: Right. Yeah. And that'll be interesting. You know, And Trey Miguel, the radicals are the champions, by the way, you are correct. Um, Trey Miguel has not signed at this point. So I think it will be interesting to see whether he's coming into NXT and just, you know, there was some reason why he didn't end up with them right away. Or is, or is Trey going to go to AEW? Is Trey going to go to ring of honor? Is Trey going to end up back in impact? You know what, what's going to happen with Trey Miguel, who seemed to be more the breakout of the three. So I think that'll be interesting to, to see, but anyways, that that neither being here nor there, we got a little sidetracked. <laughs> Welcome to Two Spot Monkeys. We do that, <laughs> <laughs> Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher. I, they built this match nicely. Ciampa said he wanted to fight a couple of weeks back. Uh, Thatcher kind of you know, very, very cowardly, almost heelish, but yet not total coward either. Um, kind of said, you know, I don't want any trouble, I don't want any trouble, I'm good. Um, and then of course, this week said I don't want any trouble and then attacked Ciampa and choked him out beautifully um in in pretty quick fashion um I I could see this match going either way to be perfectly honest because it does seem like they like Timothy Thatcher and they're going to do some stuff with him but the fact that he choked out Ciampa um on the go home, you know, there, there's always kind of that unwritten wrestling rule and it doesn't always get followed. So it screws me half time on these picks. Um, but there's that kind of unwritten rule. Whoever gets laid out, you know, the night before or the week before usually gets their and at the pay-per-view. Um, I think Champa wants this fight because he sees something in Thatcher. And I think that's where the story goes is that Champa ends up winning, but in the end, he, uh, Thatcher earns Champa's respect. And I don't know if they become a tag team, if they become allies, or if they don't. And it just is a a fist bump and a, you know, hey, you're a tough SOB. Um, But I think Tommaso Ciampa wins this match. Um, But I expect it to be a good match and a war. They're going to beat the crap out of each other. And I think it'll be fun to watch.
0: Yeah, I agree that I am looking forward to the match. I think it's going to be entertaining and fun to watch and high quality. And I think that they'll get time. Um, unfortunately, Jim, I hate to tell you that I agree with the pick, so I'm also picking Ciampa, and it's a lot, for a lot of the same reasons that you offered. Again, I think that choke out, again, wrestling, booking, 101, or as you and I probably have a, a feeling or akin to how we perceive it to be is that means the, the baby face needs to, to get his comeuppance. That being said, though, is Tommaso Ciampa even a babyface? Because when I look back at the last couple of months and how Tommaso Ciampa returned after the one last beat match he's got a really weird story and i don't know why and i don't know how and we may never know why or how there may be a number of reasons maybe not related to the pandemic maybe related to the pandemic who knows but here we are and this is the space that we're in it's so weird i was trying to think of an analogy over the last week because i think i've voiced you know the challenge that I'm having with NXT as a product. And I hope this show helps us break away from that. And takeovers typically do. Like when they had the last one, and it was such a high quality event and arguably one of the top five matches of the year with with Finn and and O'Reilly. It's like a restaurant where you know you're gonna go and get really good food, but the menu has so many options, you struggle with which thing to choose. And that's probably not the best analogy, but I feel like that's what we have with NXT. There are just so many talents there. I mean, you could easily have an eight-match show here for TakeOver and add guys like Kushida, perhaps the Velveteen Dream, Swerve Scott, Grizzled Young Vest just came back. Super high on them. Would love to see them. Hated the way that the match went down on Wednesday. And of all teams that you want to elevate – no, no disrespect, because they're good, but they're not my cup of tea. Ever rise, huh? I digress. So, so I just wanted to park and 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 make that, and and maybe it comes up down the road, and maybe it comes up when we do three big things. Um, but I'll I'll, I'll leave that in the parking lot, and I'll say yes, I agree. I think Ciampa gets the win. I don't know that I necessarily see the potential respect or connection for Ciampa and Thatcher after the fact. Um, but that would be an interesting development if that's the way they go.
1: Yeah, I think it'll be it'll be fun. Um this would be the one place that I could see, unless we see a Finn Balor promo or something on this show. Um it seems from tweets that Karrion Cross may be getting close to returning. Um, there's been a lot of TikTok. Triple H even mentioned it in the conference call yesterday. Somebody asked him, and he said, um, you know, as Karrion Cross says, TikTok, you know, keep your eyes open, um, which makes me think it's coming soon-ish. Now, you could save it for an NXT on a Wednesday night. That would make sense, too. Um,
0: Didn't he win the belt in August? Wasn't that the takeover?
1: I believe so, yes.
0: Okay, so four months. Uh, what was what was it? Torn? Uh,
1: shoulder, yeah. So uh, is that a
0: four- or six-month injury generally?
1: I, I think so.
0: Okay, look at us. We're both medical professionals.
1: We should He'd be know. on the front end. I think of the, uh, and I mean the guy was in phenomenal shape. So yeah, uh, be on the front end of that. Uh, you know, I think he won the the NXT title and then of course had to vacate it. So, um, and and he won it from Keith Lee, who's now not in NXT anymore. So I think you can bring him in and do whatever you want with him now. You don't. There's no ready-made story for him. Um, I could see Champa and cross going back down that road. Um, I don't know. It's a thought. Um, I, I don't necessarily see him, you know, getting involved in war games. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me, um, nor the North American title, and certainly not this next match, uh, which is the strap match. Um, I joked with Tom before we hit record that this is the feud that never ends. It just goes on and on, my friends. Um,
0: yes, and before before we get in, before I make my pick here, yes. I just want to – because he may have come up – as we talk, he may not as well. But just again, the absence of Finn Balor. Again, he returned two weeks ago. He wasn't on this past Wednesday's show. There's maybe some stuff happening there with uh, McAfee's crew. So maybe he—that's maybe War Games—is where he gets involved. I don't—I hadn't thought that through or, or, or committed my mindset to that yet. But I—I I think you could have easily, unless he's not 100 healthy, found a way to get Finn Balor on this takeover. And I'm a little disappointed that he's not.
1: And, and maybe because of those little teases with McAfee's crew, you know, does somebody from Undisputed Era get taken out maybe? Um, and he, he takes the Kevin Owens spot from last year. Um, I don't know. It's a thought. Um, I, I agree. I expect that we'll see him in some way, even if it's just a promo, even if it's a promo that's not in the ring, it might be a promo like his one two weeks ago. Um, you know where they say and he'll be he'll be returned to action on Wednesday and NXT or something like that. Uh I, I you you have to talk about him at some point. He's the champ, after all. Um, and he hasn't worked in quite a while because of the injury. You've chosen to leave the belt on him. Okay, but you got you gotta promo him a little bit. The belt belt needs to mean something. So yeah, I agree. Um, I, I definitely don't see him getting involved in this match, though, Tom. What do you see uh, going yeah. on in that match between Cameron Grimes and Dexter Loomis?
0: So for sure, the feud that never ends. And, and to your comment about Tim Thatcher in the first match and how I think there's a lot of people in NXT who are behind him. I think the same is said for Cameron Grimes. I think again, he's a guy who's. Uh, it seemed like there was a couple starts and stops, starts and stops, uh, and again who knows why the ebbs and flows happened with him in the in the way he was presented and how he was um uh, promoted or booked if you will He beat Finn Balor earlier this year. I mean and that was pretty clean if I don't and it, it might, I think it led to something else but regardless of that like it never really went anywhere. Uh and, and Balor got his win back in the end. So um this has been fun. I think Cameron Grimes uh who I always really enjoyed uh in PWG as trevor lee um in the ring just you know a guy who always just was super athletic and did some crazy stuff um he's showing a different side of himself uh so that's cool to see and and it's good that he has a platform like this um and i think he's made the most of it i don't see him going anywhere uh but i don't see him winning this match i think um it, which is weird because it's, it's it's one of those things where i think it's been so one-sided for loomis um, in all of the all of the ways. Um even though Grimes has gotten the better of him, which led to the strat match with that blindfold match uh that they had. Um I think Loomis gets the win here. Even though Loomis could easily lose and it wouldn't hurt him at all. But Loomis is my pick.
1: Yeah, I this one I gotta be honest, I this is gonna be my one when we put our confidence points on uh on our on our fantasy wrestling league um picks because I, I just I don't know. I don't know. Um everything you said I agree with. Um I've enjoyed Grimes as well. I enjoyed him as Trevor Lee. Uh my first uh exposure to Trevor Lee was the very first National Pro Wrestling Day. If you remember that back oh gosh, years ago now where uh I don't know, ten or twelve different uh, Companies put on a match, each put on a match. There was a Ring of Honor match uh, that was back in the scum days because um, that was the match the Ring of Honor put in was uh, Carino and Jacobs against the Briscoes. But uh, Trevor Lee was in a tag match, and I can't tell you now who his partner was, but he went against the Chiva Kid and somebody else who is now Andrew Everett. Um, and so that was my first exposure to both Everett and Trevor Lee, and I was impressed with both that day um, and, and then have become more and more impressed over the years uh, with Trevor Lee as well or Cameron Grimes now. Uh, Dexter Loomis, I think, is an interesting character, and I think has his place. Uh, Grimes, I think, has a higher ceiling though than Dexter Loomis. Uh, you know, I'm trying to remember. So, so Dexter Loomis won the House of Horrors thing that happened on Halloween Havoc. How did the remind me how the blindfold match ended?
0: So uh, Grimes hit the ref while he was blindfolded, and it took the ref out. That's and right. All, and, and somehow, some way, he took off the hood, and then he was still like unable. Like Loomis was still evading him, and it, it all devolved from there, and it led to the strap being introduced. I, I I'm not re- recollecting it 100. So
1: right. So I feel like Grimes has really never come out on top for the most part in this. Um, or or struggled to come out on top. So part of me thinks Grimes gets the win here because of that. I wish they would have said whether this is going to be because WWE has gone both ways on strap chain matches in the past. Is this going to be a pinfall situation, or is this going to be a drag your uh, an old school strap match where you drag your opponent to the four corners? If they told us it was going to be that, I would for sure go Cameron Grimes because I would totally see Grimes doing the old heel trick. Um and I can see Triple H booking in this where Loomis is dragging him around and every time Loomis touches a, a buckle, you know, uh Grimes hits the buckle right behind him and then at the last second pulls him, kicks him in the balls, whatever, and hits that fourth turn buckle. Um, but they've steered away from that in recent years. It seems like strap matches have been more pinfall submission um based. Uh, partially because you do have to like Suspend an awful lot of disbelief to believe that you know you can incapacitate somebody so far, and after a fifteen or twenty minute match, drag a two hundred and some odd pound man around to four corners. I, I get it. Like there's a there's a physicality reason to that. So you know what? I got to swing for the fences at this point. Let's be honest. I really can't uh, totally play it safe here, and with three shows to go, so I'm gonna go. Cameron Grimes gets the win here. Um, and have our first difference. I'm not super confident about that at all. If we come back next week and I think, you know, and I lost another match, um, I won't be totally shocked because takeovers tend to be babyface, a little heavy on, you know, like a lot of pay-per-views on wins. Um, But I'm going to go Grimes. I don't know how there'll be some sort of chicanery if he gets it, but I'm going to go Cameron Grimes. And totally not feel good about myself making that pick
0: i support, uh, I support that pick and and, and, I, and i'll eat my words next week if, if the outcome goes the
1: opposite if a miracle happens and i get it right so the next match that i have absolutely no idea how i'm going to pick uh as i'm talking is the north american title match uh leon ruff the completely underdog who would have thought this was coming a month ago champion uh from evolve uh you know part of the skulk uh with a.r fox leon ruff uh, defends versus both Damian Priest and Johnny Gargano in a triple threat match. Here's my problem. I'm pretty sure Ruff loses the title because I think you can only do so much with him as a North American champion. He's really undersized. Um, I think he probably has a very good future in the cruiserweight division, but I, you know, they're not playing him. Well, let me, let me go this way. If, if, Leon Ruff wins. And there's a little bit of me, like about a 1% chance that thinks there's a chance he can. It's because he brings on a manager, Malcolm Bivens, perhaps, um, and becomes this overconfident, um, which eventually leads to his downfall down the road. Um, but somehow somebody interferes. And you know, there's something. Maybe there's even more ghost faces, and this time they're for Leon Ruff instead of Gargano. Because now we're creating we're apparently creating a whole stable of ghost faces at this point. Another problem for another day. Um,
0: it's 97 all over again. Screams it, popular, we got, we got back.
1: Scenes, we got ghost faces, we got all sorts of things. Um, as long as we don't call them T-bar and Slapjack, we're gonna be okay. Um See, I got Retribution in, even though we're not talking about him. Uh, My problem is I have no idea who wins the title if Ruff loses the title, uh, because I think you have Damian Priest as the former champion. But I think Gargano, you know, Gargano's got the story of he can win the title, but he can't defend it. He's kind of got this Hasha Banks thing going on, um, which, of course, is what led us to this point anyways. Um, Gargano beats Priest, and then in this first defense, you know, Leon Ruff becomes the champion because Gargano can't ever Seem to win that first title. Um, I'm gonna go ghost face interference and I'm gonna go Gargano winning the title. Um, this will probably be my two, to be perfectly honest, as we do the confidence rankings. Um, just because triple threat matches in general are are tough for me to pick sometimes because there are so many different ways you can go with it reasonably. Um and, and still with it, you know, with TV to come you know, get out of it. If they, if they did go with Leon Ruff getting the win in some way, even if it's not cheating, if it's some, you know, ghost face interference backfires and Ruff gets a roll up win or something, uh, you know, at some point that belt is coming off Leon Ruff. And I think it's, sooner rather than later, I'm going to go Sunday and I'm going to go Gargano.
0: Yeah. So I had the chance to see Leon Ruff a handful of times live in Evolve. And I really enjoyed every time I saw him. Um, but he's not doing the trick for me here. And I don't know that that's because he's undersized or that he's just like the happy go lucky, like I just I made it to this spot and that just doesn't drive with me in 2020. Um, not that there's anything wrong with
1: that. His thing two weeks or a week ago on NXT where he was just happy to be there with Kevin Owens, I was like, it yeah. didn't help. Him
0: yeah he fanboyed out for sure well i want to be clear that i wrote my pick down before you started talking and i had written johnny gargano's name because even before you had made that pick my thought was this is gargano's belt to win back because i see the chase of damian priest going after him for the belt in a singles way the way that this story continues after sunday i may be totally wrong on that i also wonder when and how and if the ghost faces will actually have more of a payoff than just being people in ghost face costumes. We obviously saw Indy Hartwell for Candace on that end pay off. Will it pay off for Johnny? And if so, who? Uh, obviously there's a lot of new talent. We talked about that in my half-baked analogy earlier about restaurants uh or menus. Uh, and <laughs>
1: well, I see but, what you did with a half-baked analogy about restaurants, but
0: <laughs> uh so yeah so Johnny Johnny wins the belt here. Uh and I think to your point of which they told a good story here, that he can't then defend it after he wins it. This is his third time. So I think third time is the charm, and he's actually able to defend it until he eventually loses it to Damien Priest.
1: There we are. Well, now we head into, let's call it a double main event, although I expect one of these matches probably to open the show um, because that seems to be what they've done in the past, although it depends, um, you know, can they hang the cage uh, in the Capitol Wrestling Center the way they have can in an arena, and and you know put it up and down, or do they just have to put it up? Um, and, and in which case, do we get some sort of a backstage thing going on while they're quickly throwing the cage up uh, for War Games? In which case, then I would expect them back to back. But I don't think that's going to happen. I'm sure they'll figure it out. That, so to you know, that point,
0: when I finished watching NXT, I I was wrestling with where this match is going to happen. And I wondered in my mind if they would do the War Games matches at the Thunderdome. Hmm. If they did, that means they weren't bringing fans in there. They hadn't been. But they've been bringing fans into NXT, which is in the Capital Wrestling Center, which is added to the atmosphere. And I feel like these are the two matches where um, that added atmosphere would be important. Right. But, but who knows? I'm sure they'll figure out a way at the PC to make it happen, but right. it, it that that's a big... I'm going to be very intrigued when we get to Sunday to see how this visually uh, and structurally plays out.
1: Yep. No, I agree. I, I am very interested to see that as well. Uh, let's go with the women's War Games match first. Uh, we did finally get all four team members revealed over the last week. Uh, Shotzi Blackheart has uh, got teamed up with Ember Moon, Rhea Ripley, and Io Shirai. And they'll be taking on Candice LeRae, Raquel Gonzalez, Dakota Kai, and Tony Storm uh, on the other side. Uh, Tom, you have the yeah. first pick here.
0: Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Um, uh, first and foremost, I want to say I think both of these matches have been developed and booked and presented really, really well. Uh, I actually am really eager to see both of them play out, and I like the issues that are at hand. When I've been thinking about these matches, they're they're pretty distinctly different, and um, I say that because I feel like it's more of a grudge for the men, and I feel like it's multiple grudges for the females here. Uh, you have, and the interesting component too is you have the the, the women's champion uh, who has vanquished arguably the the biggest challenger who's had just one weird 2020 in Rhea Ripley. And you've got the other two people and probably three in this match that being Ember Moon, Tony Storm and Candice who are probably on paper the more relevant challengers. And and again, Candice has had her shots and again you would think that the ending was at Halloween Havoc. But here we are, Candice and are again in the match. And again, they're great in the ring. So it's like your favorite cup of soup. You're gonna have that cup of soup every time you can because it's delicious. I'll take that here too. My wondering in this match is, are they going to use it to pay off a grudge? And that grudge being Candace destroyed Shotzi's tank, which we've been seeing behind the scenes, not visually, but just images that it's being rebuilt. Is that just her coming to the ring with her team or is there more to that story? And is that the fuel that Shotzi needs to be and captain her team to a win? Or does this match get used as a vehicle to determine Io Shirai's next challenger? I lean towards the latter, which would make me think that I would pick Team Candice. But I'm not confident about that. Um, I'm I'm torn. I'm I'm really torn, and um, there, there, yeah, I, I I could see a number of singles matches coming out of this uh, after this match happens, um, but I'm gonna stick with I think is my gut, and I'm gonna say that can Team Candace gets the win with the intent that someone, probably Tony Storm, sets herself up as the next challenger for Io Shirai. Uh,
1: you know. NXT does a nice job of setting up matches in a way that you and I can have these back and forth conversations and be torn about the winners. Um, And I like that because sometimes, you know, while they've told an interesting story out of it, when you book Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso, Roman Reigns win in that match. You know, if, if they booked, well, I'll just use this match for example. If they booked Io Shirai defending her title against Casey Catanzaro, Io Shirai's winning that match. We know that. Um, I was going to say Xia but they're doing something there. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I know what they're doing, but I'm intrigued by the whole Xia and and Boa thing. Um, another story, different day. I've said that a number of times on this podcast. Um, everything you said again, makes so much sense to me, Tom. Um, Shotzi has the revenge factor. Yeah, she seems to be rebuilding a tank or are there four tanks? Are they all going to come down on tanks? We'll see. Um, although when they unveiled something and it shined, I was a little bit like what is that? Um, <laughs> that was a little weird in the in the vignette. Um
0: Wasn't it the engine too?
1: It it seemed that way, right? I
0: thought oh, yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, it seemed that way. I mean is it the Undertaker's urn? Has he passed on his powers to Shotzi Blackheart? I don't know. Um, but um but yet I also look and I don't think you should beat Tony Storm right away. She's just turned heel. I think you gotta build her as a heel. Raquel Gonzalez could potentially take the loss because I I think of the eight women in this match, she's probably the eighth as far as where she's at, but I think Raquel Gonzalez has come along a lot very well. Um, at first I was like, oh, I don't really like this girl. Um, but I think she's come along pretty well. Her matches have been, been pretty good. Her match with the rai um, uh, not with the rai with, uh, Shotzi on Wednesday was good. Her match with Rhea Ripley was good at the last. No, at Halloween havoc. I, I keep, I keep wanting to make Halloween havoc a takeover and it wasn't, uh, it was takeover ask, but it wasn't a, a takeover. Um, I think Gonzalez has come along well, so I and I think she's she's clearly your powerhouse in the women's division. Um so I, I don't know that I wanna, you know, that I think you should be to her either, if if the babyface team wins. Um, you know, Dakota Kai can always take a loss, L'Rae can take a loss. Either one of those, I don't think, get hurt by it. But I'm in the same vein as you. I think this helps set them up for who is that next challenger, helps sort out who is the next challenger. Um If the babyface team wins i think you sort it out to ember moon and ember says hey we won now how about a title shot um or something along those lines but i don't i I think it's going to flip the other direction i'm with you i think candice LaRay's team wins um i think either candice larae or tony storm get the win um probably pinning io shirai so that there's that oh she pinned the women's champion or you know or made her tap which Probably would be a pin um, in this case. Although, please, go back to War Games being submit or surrender. Please, can we do that? Um, You know, the old school guy in me wants that back. Um, I think this is going to be great, though. I I like all eight women in this match. I think all eight of them have talent. Um, Like I said, I think Gonzalez has come along. I think there's going to be some sort of power spot where she's just going to wreck somebody into a table or a cage or something. Um, And she's going to look like a million bucks doing it. Um, I think Shotzi is going to bump all over God's green earth for people, probably for Raquel, because that's kind of what Shotzi does. Um, It's clear that they are high on Shotzi Blackheart. Um, So I think that'll be interesting too, to see where does she go from this too. Uh, But I am going to go with Candice LeRae uh, and her team winning this match to set up that next. I I wish I wasn't, but it did. Um, which means then we move into the other half of the double main event. Uh, I, I kind of think this will close the show, but I wouldn't be shocked if the women close the show. You and I talked about this a little bit before. Um, but just the way they've built this, I, I think this is going to close the show. Um, at the Undisputed Era, Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, Roderick Strong, and Kyle O'Reilly versus uh, the still not officially named maybe Kings, uh, Pat McAfee, Danny Burch, Oney Larkin, and Pete Dunn. I love it. I can go either way again. Here we go. Um, so you have the Undisputed Era, who – have they won every war games they've been in?
0: I'd, ha- I'd have to look back to – yeah, I have- I I, no, I don't think so. I think last year, didn't Kevin Owens' team win? Wasn't he like the – Yeah, yeah, they
1: did. That's true. They did. Uh, but they've been in, I think, every war games match that the men have had in NXT. Um, you have Pat McAfee, who looked good in his debut, versus Adam Cole. You have Burch and Lorcan, who have gotten their first – um, prolonged exposure um, near the top anyways, and, and are the NXT champions. And you have Pete Dunn, who is just a butt kicker, you know, of the nth degree. I love that he finally spoke on Sunday too, like or on Wednesday too. He's had this time where he's just been totally silent and looking at Pat McAfee, kind of like he wants to kill Pat McAfee um, most of the time. And then he, you know, spoke and and I love the McAfee even called that out. Like he never talks. Look, he even said something. Uh, McAfee's a heel, a heel magnet or a heat magnet. I should say, uh, that guy just can, he makes you, he talks and you want to see him get his rear end kicked. I mean, it's just the perfect pro wrestling heel. I mean, he really, he really has that. Um, so kudos to him and kudos to NXT for using him well. Um, The I, era
0: has been- I'm sorry. I wanted, to, I wanted to share the history, which may or may not influence your pick, but I think it's only fair, because if I can see it, you should also know,
1: too. Sure, sure.
0: So, uh, 2017, first NXT war games, undisputed era of Cole, Fish, and O'Reilly defeated Sanity and the authors of Pain and Roddy. Roderick Strong was not yet with the undisputed era. So they're 1-0 there. War games 2018, they lost, as the foursome that they are now, uh, to Pete Dunn, Ricochet, and the War Raiders. So they're one and one. And then last year, 2019, the same foursome were together, and they lost to Team Ciampa of Tommaso Ciampa, Keith Lee, a guy named Dominic Dijakovic, you may remember him, uh, and Kevin Owens.
1: Yeah, I haven't haven't seen him in a while. Wonder uh, wonder if he's at the bar. Um,
0: so uh so undisputed era is currently one and two in
1: 30. one and two in war games okay look at me trying to say they've won them all um and they don't even have a winning record uh, so part of a little piece of my Candace LeRae pick is that I think the heels win one war games and I think the baby faces win the other. And, and I could go either direction. Like I could be wrong on both of these picks. Um, and I wouldn't be totally shocked. Um, none of these, it's honestly, it's going to be hard for me. I'll probably put my, you know, we talk about these confidence points with our fantasy wrestling league. I'll probably put my five on Chompa and then, yeah, I could make an argument after that. Um, because I'm just not sure on the rest of these and, and I'm not even a hundred percent sold on the Chompa pick either, but I'm, I'm more confident in that one than the other picks. Um, I think the Undisputed Era is going to win this. I think the way that it's been set up, um, they've done a really nice job of setting it up. They've done a really nice job of um, establishing McAfee's group as um, a powerhouse group and, and and something to be reckoned with. Um, you know, Adam Cole, dead. Bobby Fish, dead. Everybody, dead. Um, you know, Pat McAfee's thing. I, I think McAfee takes the loss here. Um, you know, I think you protect your tag champs. I think you protect Pete Dunne because I think Pete Dunne has a future potentially even as an NXT champion. I think Um, he was the longest reigning UK champion for a long time. I don't know if Walter's beaten that record yet. I don't think he has. Um, But let's put an asterisk by that because Walter didn't work for like six months either um, because of the pandemic. So hard to tell what they would have done with that title. Um, But I I think the Undisputed Era win here, which I'm a little back and forth because Cole did win that one-on-one match with Pat McAfee. So part of me thinks, well, maybe McAfee gets a tainted win here and we go to round three somewhere down the road. Um, But I'm still not sure that Undisputed Era is long for this world in NXT. I think there's a real possibility they could be moved. And if that's the case, I could see them winning here... um, Again, beating McAfee, not the tag champs or Pete Dunne. I think I could see them winning here, uh, not as their swan song, but as part of that, um, and giving them, since they have lost their last two war games, giving them a chance to avenge that uh, with this win. Now, as baby faces, so I'm going to go Undisputed Era, and again, much like most of my picks in this, I could be like down nine. Um, no, I can't because we've been the same on most of these picks, but
0: um, and we'll stay the same here because Undisputed Era is my pick too. Um, I do. I do have uh, a cloud of doubt in terms of the potential involvement of Finn Balor if they were to go that route. I I don't want them to unless they add a fifth guy to Team McAfee, but I don't know who that would be. Uh, Darn shame about Ridge Holland because I imagine that Finn Balor and the UE versus Ridge Holland and McAfee's crew makes a lot of sense. And maybe that was the direction they were going. Maybe it wasn't either. Who knows? And nothing against Bobby Fish, but I think Bobby Fish is the guy you easily replace with a Finn Balor if if an attack were to happen. Um, Two thoughts come to mind for me here. I do see the McAfee character, be it only a mouthpiece or be it maybe in a ring, not being done here. Uh, we both saw that when he fought Cole earlier this year. We we're like, "Wow, that talent is there! Like he's he's got he's got it." So again, I don't see it being a full time thing yet for him because he's got a, his hands in a lot of different buckets. Uh, but you could easily keep him around, um, and I think that makes a lot of sense. I think he's someone you want to see, like you said, get punched in the mouth. Tune in to see his, get, his, get his butt kicked. The other part of this is I also agree with you that Pete Dunne is a really logical choice to be the next challenger for the NXT title. Uh, and I would love to see that match against Finn Balor. I also would love to see Kyle O'Reilly get back in the mix too, but we can we can stretch that out. And with the beating they gave one another uh when when Balor retained, that's that's okay. Those guys gotta dial it down next time for their own safety and wellness. Um so with all of those moving parts, how do you I, so my, I don't know if I even said a pick yet, but I apologize. My pick is UE. I also agree that I think that they get the win. Um, is it their swung song? I don't know. But I think they, as the baby faces, need to overcome the bad guys here. And and, and there's been a number of things. The one thing that wasn't clear to me, and I wonder if this is, gets revealed on Sunday, even though I have a hunch that it was McAfee, even though they said he wasn't there, who interfered in the ladder match? Who was the guy that caused Kylo Riley to hit that big tumble and allow Pete to ascend and get the get the man advantage? Um, Again, it seems like it was McAfee, but they never paid it off. So, will they pay that off on Sunday? Does that become
1: right? There was a lot of the the promo on Wednesday. I thought was a lot of like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Oh, it wasn't you? Oh no, you weren't there. Oh, so maybe that's all they ever do. But yeah, I think could it be somebody else?
0: Yeah. So, um, again, or we're picking the match based on it being a four on four and based on it being the guys that are on the table today, you ease my pick. It'll be interesting to see. It'll give us a lot to talk about if we get other players at the table, but I can't wait. It's going to be, a, it's going to be a, a fantastic match. I would, the one guy I think that you had to protect is Pete Dunn. I don't think you have to protect Oni or Danny, unfortunately. Um, but that's just my opinion.
1: And the only reason I would protect Oni and Danny is because they're the tag champs. Um, if they weren't, yeah, fine. Um, But I agree, Dunn is higher on the protection list. The one thing I think is interesting, and again, I'd have to go back and look. um, I don't remember last year with the two War Games matches. Traditionally, in War Games matches, the heels have the advantage. They, you know, Arn Anderson was always the first one in the ring, you know, in the old school War Games matches, and the horsemen always had the advantage, you know, which just makes sense. The baby faces have to come from underneath, you know, they've always got the one man down. Um, So I did think it was interesting. I expected Shotzi to win that ladder match um on Wednesday night but I think it'll be interesting to see what it looks like with the baby faces having the 2 on 1 advantage and the 3 on 2 and the 4 on 3 um in the women's match I'd have to go back and look and see the baby faces might have had the advantage last year but then you had Dakota turn um in the women's match so it didn't actually matter um so they were still at a disadvantage even though they had the the quote advantage I think that's how it played out
0: um, and one thing that just came to mind is just the and maybe I'm reaching here. Could shot could uh, Rhea just walk out? Could Rhea like she's committed, right? But like, could it the, the door open and she just leaves? She doesn't, and, and I mean, just what 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 a what a way of disrespect to just leave your comrades that you've committed to, but then you blindside them in the end. You don't do it physically, because again, I think you and I both agree. Who knows when but she's got to get to Raw or SmackDown.
1: Yeah. And for some reason, I think SmackDown. I just, that that feels right to me. Um, partially because, although this might be all of the reason to do it, Charlotte Flair got drafted to Raw, which they could totally forget about if they want to, you know, by the time Charlotte comes back, whenever that is. Um, but I expect here by, after the first of the year, probably, to see Charlotte back. Um, it'll be Royal Rumble and WrestleMania time. So Charlotte's coming. Uh, and let's, let's keep her away from Charlotte for a little while. That's my opinion. Um, and I think Charlotte got drafted to raw. That seems right to yeah, me. You're right. Yeah. Okay. As I say, it's pretty sure it was raw. Um, so, you know, little, little things there. Um, I feel like there was one other thing I wanted to say about this show and I'll be darned if I can think of what it is now. Uh, I, you know, I think this, this is the last big show for nxt this year i think nxt like everybody has had a a, as good of a year as they can given the the conditions that they've had to work in since march um and i'm excited for this show i think it'll be a good show um i'm looking forward to it the the work should be superb there's nothing on here that makes me other than you know i'm ready for grimes and loomis to move on to other things um but there's nothing on the show that makes me go oh well all right I can make some popcorn that match or go grab my pretzels or whatever. Um, you know, everything here I want to see at some level. Uh, Grimes, if nothing else, you know, let's listen to him yell to the moon all the time. And, you know, uh, he's he's, got, he's a character. There's no question. He's a character. Uh, but uh, so just to recap our picks, uh, we are the same on four out of the five. Uh, we have the same. We both pick Ciampa. We both pick Johnny Gargano both pick Candice LeRae's team and the Undisputed Era team. And we differ on that strap match. I went Cameron Grimes. Tom went Dexter Loomis. Tune in next week to hear Tom take a six-match lead in our (laughs) head-to-head competition. Oh, final battle is going to be whatever he didn't say. Um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Even even though I picked Loomis, if Grimes doesn't win, I'm going to come on next week and say my number one big thing is that I went two.
1: There you go, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, uh this this is getting out of hand a little bit here for the head to head, but uh it's all right, we'll still keep going. And and I I do think Final Battle, for instance, will be interesting because as you and I have talked about a little bit, how much stock do we put into okay, the title title holders are are back, but are they just back for the one show? Some of them have contracts that are coming up, some of them live out of the country and how are they going to be able to be here regularly? Um, coincidentally, totally off topic here. We'll just wrap it up with a piece of breaking news. Uh, they have announced the six-man tag team title match for ba- final battle this morning while we were on recording here. Uh, Mexa Blood of Bandito, Flamita, and Ray Horace will take on Shane Taylor promotions of Shane Taylor, Moses, and Khan. Um, I just put a uh, waiver claim in for Moses because that tells you where I think that match might be going. So... Um, <laughs> you already have shane taylor i got to try to block you on some points so
0: we're close we're like nine points apart right
1: now Are we, we not? We are and don't think that david finley pickup of mine wasn't a total keep oh, me I- with you move uh, <laughs> which without going into new japan too much i really thought they had finjuice had a chance to win that whole thing and boy reading the results they have not uh it's not gone the way i thought in the world tag league so
0: i plan to watch isn't the final next friday
1: uh I think so. Yes. Okay.
0: I think and, I'm gonna I think I'm gonna try to watch that shortly after it is live.
1: I'm not gonna get up for it,
0: but I have the, I have the day off. So I uh,
1: and uh that, that one is gonna have English commentary live. Um I saw that the the last night of the league matches and then the finals on the eleventh uh will have live English commentary. So that's fun. Um yeah, yeah, I haven't paid enough I've paid enough attention to see the results, just thought I thought
0: I'd get a few more points out of David Finley. But. But there, and that's and 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 again too. Like again, we were very much both of us for multiple reasons, super all in on um, G one, and rightfully so. And we have completely gone the utter utter opposite direction on both Best of Super Juniors and World Tag League. So much so to the point, like I looked at the like I got caught up because I finally just said, you know what, you're not going to start watching it. At least find out what's happening a week ago, or roughly a week ago, and I still don't know where things are. At. No, granted, things have happened this week, I know. But I couldn't tell you who's what, what's left, who's right, up, down, perfect.
1: <laughs> Xavier Woods, up, up, down, up. <laughs> uh, gear of War. Or, war, uh, Gear of War? Wars of Gear. Wars of Gear.
0: Gear of War. Gear of
1: War. Gear <laughs> of War.
0: I said that intentionally backwards.
1: Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. That helped a lot. Um, that doesn't count as a loss in head-to-head. Um, <laughs> you know, these head-to-head competitions, Tom, right now, it kind of feels like when you're uh, watching a football game and a team goes up like 40 in the first half and there's the joke on Twitter about, hey, I just saw, you know, the Chiefs just scored again. Ha-ha. Um, you know, three days later, they're like, hey, Mahomes threw another touchdown. Um, that's how this feels in head-to-head. But anyways. All right. Well, we've just bantered enough here at the end that has absolutely nothing to do with anything we've talked about <laughs> the, the other 90 minutes of this podcast. Uh, but thank you all for listening. Thank you all. Uh, if you have a chance, subscribe, rate, review, do all that fun stuff. It helps us in the algorithms so that we show up when people search pro wrestling podcasts. Um, we know we're not the biggest dog out there. We we may not even be a dog in the fight, um, but uh, we do this because we love to do it and we appreciate anybody who gives us their time and, and gives us a listen. Um, send us an email to spotmonkeys at gmail.com. Inter, interact with us on Twitter or on Facebook or the book of faces as my friend Jeff over at the fully posable podcast says, um, check it out. And uh, I, I look forward to conversing with you next week, Tom, we'll be talking about takeover and uh, maybe some things we won't have a head to head next week. Cause we'll have a double head to head the week after uh, for full uh, full full battle, yes. Final battle and uh, TLC, but uh, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about. Uh, we'll be recording late in the week, so we'll also maybe be able to update on Sting and Omega and, and things around that, too.
0: Yeah, tables, finals, and battles. I can't wait.
1: Tables, finals, and battles. Can't wait. It's going to be a big thing. I should say before we go, one last thing. Uh, this weekend is uh, a huge, huge rematch in the NFL between my Chicago Bears, who fell into a win against Tom's Detroit Lions in week one by no fault of their own and all fault of DeAndre Swift uh, but uh, big rematch for two teams going absolutely nowhere. Tom's team has already fired his head coach their head coach. my team shouldn't be too far behind. We'll probably wait till the end of the season because that's just what the Bears do. Um, yeah, it's kind of the toilet bowl of the NFC North but uh, it'll be it'll be fun to watch if nothing else Tom because I don't know will it be fun?
0: I, I will tell you this. Uh, I did not watch the entire Thanksgiving day game. That is how disgusted I was as a Detroit Lions fan. So never do I want to celebrate the fact that someone has been fired. But I also believe that if you do not perform, you're subject to losing your job. So the right move was made in Detroit in that space.
1: I, I would agree with you. And and I think the right move will be made in Chicago, too, um, unless they – really write the ship. And, and I've seen no signs that that is coming. Um, yeah, this is not going to be the uh, stellar game of the year, but amazingly somehow here in Nebraska, I'm getting the Bears and the Lions on Sunday. So
0: well, that's I'm, I'm happy for you. At least, at least one of us will watch. I'm just kidding. I'll
1: watch. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, we'll see. Anyways, not a football podcast. Well, uh, I'm sure one of us will have a little bit of good, good natured ribbing to give the other next week. Um, even as tough as that seems when it doesn't seem very right. But um, yeah. Anyways, folks, everybody be safe. If you haven't turned off this podcast by now, you really do love us. All right. Everybody be safe, stay healthy, uh, and have a great week, and we will talk to you again next week. Take care, everybody.